0: We don't start till Charlton starts. Those are the rules.
1: Basically, <clears rules> those <throat> are the rules. Those are the rules. Just theatrically shake Shelton my <laughs> Charlton Thorpe is in charge of all things.
0: All things is what Charlton Thorpe is <laughs> in charge of. Hey, everybody. I'm Kai Rizdal. How about we do that again? Hey, everybody. I'm Kai Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. How about that? <laughs>
1: It was great. You did a wonderful job. I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us, everyone, on the YouTube live stream and on the podcast. This is our weekly happy hour. We call it Economics on Tap. We've got drinks. I've got a drink. Who knows what Kai has? Uh, we've got the news fixes, and then we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to play a game of Half Full, Half Empty. It's going to be loads of fun, and we'll have a surprise guest host for Half Full, Half Empty. Oh, I do know who it is.
0: Well, that's fascinating. Uh, yeah. All right, so what are you drinking?
1: Okay, so I'm trying out a new cocktail because I'm me. Uh, I've decided to start experimenting with shrubs, which are like vinegar-based like flavored things. Oh. Sure. No. Um, they're like okay. liquids.
0: I- <laughs> that was a legit <laughs> question. <laughs> I had no idea.
1: It was a legit question. It was good. Okay, no, right. it's they're like vinegar-based um, flavored things that you add to cocktails or mocktails or cleverages or whatever, or sometimes just sparkling water and they come in all sorts of different flavors.
0: Huh? Uh, I, th- I think is we've had this conversation. Rosemary. Before. Blueberry Rosemary. All right. Um, I've, okay. I believe we've had this conversation before, but have you ever, uh, worked as a bartender or do you, do you, have you considered like moonlighting as a bartender? Because clearly you take a lot of pleasure and, and pride in your work in this regard.
1: Funny you should ask that. I did attempt it when I was living in Egypt to be a bartender for a little while. And I ended yeah. up being a bartender at these like private parties for like the super rich and like the rooftops of hotels overlooking oh, wow. the Nile. And they just stayed up too late. And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, it got to be like one, yeah, two a.m. Funny. It was like, it was fun in the, in the beginning. And I'm like handing out cocktails and everyone thought it was so cool that a foreigner was That's doing the funny. the cocktails and the mixing and then i was just like yeah it's too late it's too That's late i need to funny. go to sleep That's pretty all funny. right Good so i am that. drinking a blue manhattan which has a rye whiskey uh blueberry rosemary shrub from a local company called element and vermouth and a cherry garnish so that is what nice. i am drinking have,
0: have you tried it yet have you is this a no, fresh concoction all right us up. let us know how it goes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i swallowed wrong it's actually good though Oh,
0: okay all right it's actually good right. i just
1: swallowed wrong it's it's the all vinegar right.
0: oh my god <laughs> anyway that's
1: funny. no it's actually oh god, tasty i really like it i just swallowed wrong that's all what's everybody else drinking
0: oh that's so funny wait hang Ooh. on so your sister's in the chat and she says oh she god. bartends when she visits me and then she says that's why the visits are so short um, so I, uh, I am having a cup of coffee Because number one, it's really cold here in LA And I've got dinner plans tonight And if I start drinking at 3.30 in the afternoon I will not make it uh, to dinner And that would deeply irritate my wife I'm using my Puabic uh, coffee mug again My favorite coffee mug in the world I get no kickbacks from Puabic, by the way They're just good stuff Alright, should we move on here? Should we? Uh,
1: yours is the big news story of the day And oh my goodness, I didn't understand it Until I listened to Sabree's story today
0: Yes. So Sabri did a great, great piece on Silicon Valley Bank, which has, Mm -hmm. uh, as of this morning, ceased to exist and is now under uh, state receivership and being managed by the Federal uh, Deposit Insurance Corporation. So it is the first FDIC-backed bank to go under since 2020. And this one is a biggie because a lot, and I mean a lot of Silicon Valley does business with SVB or did business with SVB until this morning. Um, It affects payroll and the company's deposits and uh, the personal uh, accounts of company executives. It's a very big deal. The specific, so Watch this space because I'm sure we're going to be talking about it more. It's going to be a very busy weekend for the Fed and for Treasury before the banking system opens up again on Monday. The specific thing I want to talk about, though, is, th- is what Silicon Valley Bank did, which doesn't get almost any press. And that is venture debt. We talk a lot about venture capital, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Venture, Venture capital is people gathering money together or using their own money and investing in a company and getting equity, getting shares of that company, right? And they gain on the upside and they lose on the downside. Silicon Valley Bank and some other really specialized banks do this thing called venture debt, where after getting venture capital investments, these companies, which will need more money because these startups run through capital at an astonishing rate, they need more money, they get venture debt, which which are loans made by the uh, specialized banks, which then sustain these companies. And part of the reason that SVB went under, I mean, there's a whole long bond market story as to why they went under, but part of the reason they went under is because of this venture debt and the way interest rates have been going. And we're going to be talking about more about this on Marketplace and probably on this podcast in, in the days and weeks to come if SVB turns into a very big deal. But hmm. it's a really interesting look at the innards of um, finance, specifically venture finance and even more specifically Silicon Valley startup venture finance. Fascinating. Could be a big deal. We don't really know yet. Not I'm great sorry,
1: all could I all I could think of when you said if it turns out to be a really big deal, it, a very big deal, was, is F, what is it, S, V, B, going to be a VBD,
0: <laughs> there you go. That's right. Look, we'll take initials. F, D, I, C, S, V, B, you know.
1: All of the alphabet it's, soup.
0: It, it's it's amazing that we are back here with a major uh, bank going under. This is, for the record, the second largest bank failure in this country ever After Washington Mutual, which was my bank by the way, back in the financial crisis, so this is a big deal—hundreds of billions of dollars in assets.
1: Unbelievable! I saw this like flying by because I was running around all day today. I saw it flying by, and I was like, "What is happening?" And so I had to go back and listen to Sabri's story, and I was like, "Oh, this is Mm -hmm. worse than I thought it was." He did great. (laughs) He
0: did a great job. He did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Well, uh, mine is also somewhat tech-related. This is really bad. So there are data leaks and breaches and data stolen Mm -hmm. all over the country all the time. You know, we had that big big Equifax data breach years ago, but this one is particularly bad. There is a health data breach that has gone down in here in D.C., and it's a company called, let's see, where did it go? I think it's D.C. Link, but basically it has more than a hundred, yeah, D.C. Health Link, which runs a, basically an exchange that has about 100,000 participants on it. But al- about mm-hmm. 11,000 of those people work in the House and the Senate in, the ca- in here in D.C., in the district offices, across the nation, or they're relatives of people who work for the federal government. And mm-hmm. this is a very, very bad data leak. It's got, like, social security numbers. It's got health information. Mm. It's got people's names and addresses. And um, it seems like real information. And so um, the AP started they, they, so basically these hackers posted a sample of some of the files to prove that yeah. this was real, and the AP called some of those people to see if it was real, and it turns out hmm. it's someone who one of our colleagues oh knows very well. Oh, and is that right? that's ha- Yes, and that's how oh. they found out that mm-hmm. their information was out there and this is really scary and members of congress are freaking out their staffs are freaking out because you know you can just imagine the nefarious things that people can do with not just somebody's identity mm-hmm. for identity theft but their health information like that's that's yeah. really bad so i yeah. i'm mind i'm wondering what we're going to see as a result of this in terms of some not reputable news organization probably is going to take mm-hmm. that stuff and do all sorts of stories. And the rest of us are going to have to talk about it once it's out there. And it's not great. But no, yeah,
0: no, the, the news today is not uh, great. Today is not a uh, not great news day. Honestly.
1: So oh, somebody asked in the chat, is it a really bad leak just because it involves D.C. folks? No, it's a really bad leak because it involves health information, which is particular, which is worse. But the reason it matters that it includes DC folks is when you talk about politicians and staffers having their information leaked, that means it can be weaponized for political purposes, not just by somebody running campaign ads, but also by outside actors, maybe foreign governments or people who want to blackmail a member of Congress or their families.
0: You know, it's interesting, and this is my naivete for being a zillion miles away from the Beltway, for which I am grateful every single day. But my initial (laughs) reaction was, it's a big deal in D.C. because, oh, this will definitely get people paying attention to this really critical problem in our data information infrastructure, and we'll certainly find legislation to take care of this. Ah, well. Ah, Maybe we'll we'll finally
1: get a federal privacy law now.
0: Yeah, I'll take the under. Um, take the honor.
1: <laughs> but remember, very recently, the Biden administration um, put out an announcement, I don't think it was an executive order, but basically a cybersecurity strategy. And one of the things they said was that companies need to have more responsibility for keeping people's information private, as opposed to putting the onus on the users to protect their information. And so this is kind of a classic example.
0: Yeah, it is a classic example, but nothing's going to happen until the penalties to companies are real and substantial, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Uh, you know. Anyway.
1: All those things are true.
0: All day. All On right. going that one all day. Yes. All right. It's your we're turn. Gonna, uh, we're going to what? We're going to do a news fix. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we already did the news fix. Hello, Kai. Yes. So here's what we're going to do mm-hmm. now. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. Round a half full, half empty. Here we go.
1: This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. You know, I didn't think I was going to like this, but I, I really do. It's, it's quite different.
0: <laughs> all right. Why, why would you? Yeah. All right, wait. Hold on. Stop. Mm-hmm. Why would you make a cocktail you're not sure you're going to like?
1: Because
0: I want to experiment and try it. Okay. I won't know
1: if I like it until I try it. And if I only try things I know I'm going to like, I'll never expand <laughs> my palate.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> says the creature of habit who never wants to try anything new. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. Yes. All, All right. right. All right. Now um,
1: we are going to do something new. We're going to play a game of Half Full, Half Empty. The game is not new, but the topics are. We're going to go through some news topics from the week and tell you how we are feeling about them, positive or negative, Half Full, Half Empty. And Drew is out today, but we have a surprised, surprise guest host. I don't know who it is. So oh, okay. hello, Strange person. <laughs> Hello, Kimberly and Kai. It's Francesca. It's Francesca.
0: <laughs> oh, my lordy be! All right. So this Hi, is the new big boss here, people. We should tell people You hear her Francesca in the is. credits
1: at the end of the show all the time. Francesca Levy, our director oh of digital. Lord.
0: Wow. Is that your exact right wow. title?
1: You seem to do a lot of things. It's uh, executive director of something, but I help out wherever I'm needed.
0: <laughs> there we go. Yes. And, and today, all of you know, here you are.
1: all right are you ready to play yes Mm -hmm. okay are you half full or half empty on the possibility that companies could start bringing back pension plans i heard this story did you hear this
0: i i did not and please tell me it was not on the show that i host
1: no, no, no! It wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. No, no. I think it was on David's show. It was on Marketplace Morning okay. Report, where basically, uh, some companies is a way to try to lure workers because we are still, you know, in a tight labor market, and companies are trying to figure out what they can do. Some companies are starting to offer pension plans again, not like wow. full old school pension plans, but versions of it. And I'm I'm gonna go half full on it yeah. because, you know. We've heard for years companies complaining about workers just hopping from place to place right. to place. And it's like, well, if you don't make a commitment to your employees, they're not going to make a commitment to you. And a pension is a real incentive to stay in one place for some period of time.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also would just offer that, that um, much as you were talking about companies having to bear some responsibility for data breaches, There is an element of corporate citizenship here, right, that companies have an obligation to some degree to help their workers survive and and keep going through their old age. And pensions are one really good way to do that, as opposed to putting the burden entirely as it's not entirely, mostly as it sits right now on 401ks and and other retirement plans. So, yeah, I'm half full.
1: On the other hand, though, I do have to give the caveat We are reading more and more stories about these pension plans that are just insolvent. And I remember I was at some D.C. event and there was a guy who worked on, you know, research on pension plans. And he was like, one day somebody is going to crack open the lid on all of these state pension plans and they're going to run screaming Mm -hmm. into the night because they're in bad shape.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All y'all should look up something called the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation and then look up how badly underfunded it is. But anywho. All right.
1: Half full or half empty on Oscar parties?
0: Um. Go ahead.
1: Like I'm half full on the party component, half empty on the Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) Like I have zero Hmm. intention of watching them, but... If somebody invited me to an Oscars party, I'd go. I just won't pay attention to the Oscars. I'll pay attention to the people there. So I'm going to go half empty. What about you? Oh,
0: I I, uh, I, I watch them this. in the <laughs> breach while I'm doing other stuff, right? I mean, it happens like at 5 o'clock here in L.A. time, right? And, you know, you got mm. other stuff. You got to run kids around. You got, you know, whatever. Um, so I, I watch them in the breach. Uh, party smarty, uh, you know um can i be neutral i'm gonna be neutral i'm gonna be half half you can be neutral, neutral. half half. i'm gonna be neutral there we go all right all right
1: half full or half empty on business schools loosening their admissions requirements for laid off tech workers i saw that story uh i'm i'm half full although god i always have to have a caveat don't i yeah, yeah, there's um, no, yeah. There's no universals in this world. Half full, although I'm very curious how much these tech workers really need a business degree to get a job in this economy. And so Oh yeah. Yeah. Is it is it just a way to get people to spend money that they probably don't have to spend? But sure, I'll go half full. Why not?
0: Yeah, and I think I think also it's, uh, you know, now's a convenient pausing time in your career, and you could take a couple of years maybe and go back to school if you want to. I don't think anybody needs an MBA, especially if they were already on some kind of track in technology. But if they want to, that's fine. The root of the story, though, is business schools lowering their, their admissions requirements. That is very interesting because that goes to standardized tests. It goes to um, elite schools getting... Uh, first crack at the most elite students. And so I think, you know, a general lowering of the bar across higher education and up into graduate degrees would probably benefit us as a society, let me just say.
1: I've been uh, doing, along with a couple of our colleagues, some reporting on the Inflation Reduction Act and all the money kind of Mm -hmm. filtering out into the economy. And I'm just seeing more and more of these jobs that make six figures out the gate With no college degrees. Right. And they cannot fill these jobs. They are desperate for people to do these things. So, all right. I think the next one is the one for the poll. So everybody in the YouTube chat, get ready. We are going to wait on y'all to weigh in before we give our takes on this next one. Francesca, go. Mm -hmm. Are you half full or half empty on the Rise in Revenge Reviews?
0: Oh, so this is a story that Matt Levin did for Marketplace yesterday, and apparently the deal is that, what's it called, like the National Consumer Rage Survey or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. points out that there's been a huge rise in revenge reviews on social media and Yelp and and all those things since the pandemic, that people are just venting their spleen whenever they are not getting what they felt they paid for, roughly translated. Uh, So that's the story. That is it, the story. And we're going to let the poll play. One up.
1: of the more challenging things about working at Marketplace is that we can't bash it companies who do us yeah. wrong publicly. And so sometimes, and my sister in the chat will recall this very well from when we went on our cruise, sometimes I really want to say angry <laughs> things <laughs> publicly mm. that I'm not allowed to say um, because of our ethics policy, which is it's just a good one because yeah. we may end up covering these companies and, and we shouldn't be out publicly uh, doing that. But, yeah. um, you know, so there's a lot of like in my little notes sometimes or or like my, you know, the notes app in your phone, I will sometimes write out the angry review just so it gets out uh. of my system. <laughs> Yeah. I know I can't yeah. post it. <laughs> and But yeah, so I, I I hope everyone is writing their revenge reviews on, on my behalf if they are. Um, let's see. Right. We've got 150 right. votes. They're still coming let's in. It. Let's uh, call
0: it. Let's call it. Come on, let's call it. So OK, let's time. call it. We can only kill yeah, so much yeah, time. Yeah. Come on. Right. <laughs> there's got to be some lag there anyway. know, Peg says there's far can, too
1: much can, anger can. in this world. Yes, you're right, Peg. So, Kimberly, that's a half, that's half full from you. That's a half full from me. Yeah, right. I'm going to go half full.
0: So, so here's the poll. 158 votes, half empty 68, half full 31. I think I'm kind of half empty. I think I'm kind of half empty on that. I, I appreciate the need to, uh, you know, feel better, but... I just don't think you should go public with, like, one bad experience. You know what I mean? I mean, if you get, like, a repeat offender, well, first of all, why are you going back to that business? But mm. I, I, I say, you know, praise in public and criticize in private. That's what I say.
1: Most of the time I would agree with you, but if it's someone or a company that really does something egregious, yeah. you want to also, like, yes, it's getting it out of your system, but it's also warning other consumers, um you know in in the circumstance that we had like there was something that was done that like we really thought that other people should know about it and it was pretty yeah. bad and so some of it's revenge some of it is like punishment if that makes any sense mm-hmm. like if you do mm-hmm. this you should be held accountable and if i don't have the power to hold you accountable at least let other people know to give you some accountability so
0: yeah that's fair
1: yeah Although, yeah, that's but especially fair. for small businesses, though, I'm much, I would be much less likely to write a bad review on a small business because that's the difference between, like, somebody having a bad day and you can destroy their business with a couple of bad reviews versus, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. a huge corporation that should have infrastructure yep. in place to not allow that to happen. Totally. Okay. True. I'm done. Totally true. off Off of my All soapbox. All
0: right. Charlton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh before we go though a very very uh, quick shout out to francesca levy the boss coming in hanging with us yay, on friday francesca. afternoon yay thank you uh and we're done back on monday before we go though a couple of quick things number one it was like three years ago this weekend that uh COVID became a pandemic and that's when this podcast went daily um and we did it because we me and molly at the time but the staff, and I think the listeners too, needed a place. We needed a place Mm -hmm. to just be. Um, And that's what this became. And it's evolved since then, and times are, uh, uh, while still uncertain, way less bleak. But we are still here trying to do what we do every single day. Uh, And this being our March fundraiser, you know what's coming next. We are aiming to raise $150,000. We are less than 10% of the way there, and here we are on the 10th of March, so we got a ways to go marketplace.org slash smart. There's a link in the show notes as well. Obviously, if you can help us, uh, we'd appreciate it because um, we're here every day, whether you give or not. But if you give, it would be better. You know? I yeah, probably shouldn't say that. we be very we're here for now, Whether you give or not. <laughs> Development's going to yell at me for saying that, but, you know.
1: Sure they are. Make
0: Me Smart <laughs> is produced by Courtney Bergsecker. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe. Drew Jostad wrote the theme music for Half Full, Half Empty. Although he took the day off today, I guess. Antonio Barreras is our intern.
1: He deserves a day off. The team behind our Friday game is Mel Rosenberg, Emily McCune, and Antoinette Brock, who checked out our video early today. Marissa Cabrera is our acting senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. And you all know who Francesca Levy is, the executive director of digital. Boom. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey.